You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi there, good morning. Welcome to the show, Thursday the 9th of November. Good evening where I am because I'm recording this at 5.53 on Thursday evening at Flemington Racecourse where we've just witnessed a stellar performance in the Kennedy Oaks, more of which in a moment. Lee Motter said, senior writer from the Racing Post, is alongside me at Flemington and I cannot remember a more gorgeous day at the races. Not the octane of Cup Day, Lee. But just about everything perfect today. Yeah, perfect is the right word, Nick. Um, the weather, for a start. And I, 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 I don't suppose people back home will appreciate me saying this. No, they won't. They'll <laughs> say it anyway. But it is absolutely glorious. Saturday, Tuesday Cup Day was a bit too hot for us pasty English people. Um, but today, the temperature, it's warm, but it's not hot. The sun is shining. Flemington is lit up with glorious yellow, pink roses. Uh, the place looks magnificent. It's not as busy on Cup Day, so there's a crowd, there's an atmosphere, but you can easily get around. You can move around with no trouble at all. And we have been treated to some spectacular finishes. That we have. Uh, tell me a little bit about the feature race today, the Kennedy Oaks. It's run over uh, 2,500 metres, so just in excess of a, of a mile and a half. And it's, it's tough for these fillies but we had a we had a runaway winner tell me about the winner and a little bit about what we need to know we did so the winner nick won in familiar colors it was a victory for godolphin with zardozi um first thing to say about um the, the the race here is that this is a very australian way of doing it so zardozi ran in i suppose the equivalent of their musidora stakes which took place on saturday five days out before the classic she ran a big race there she ran a bigger one here Travel like a dream under James McDonald. Won the race easily. And there are real reasons for uh, Northern Hemisphere European readers, listeners to be interested because Zardozi is a daughter of Kingman. She is bred to Southern Hemisphere time by Kingman. Out of a Dubawi mare. Out of a Dubawi mare who went into the Godolphin European system. They put her on a list to be sold the Godolphin Southern Hemisphere Australian team thought this is a filly that could be of interest to us so in effect Godolphin Australia bought her out of Godolphin Europe amazing they then sent her to Kingman as part of a a system they've got now where they send a handful of mares to horses like Kingman to Dibawi to Frankel the product was Zardozi she was foaled down here she's now a classic winner and she is immensely valuable and a mare who Godolphin was set to sell is now also immensely valuable and still pretty young. Okay, so that's what happened in the in the Kennedy Oaks today. James Cummings, the trainer, amazingly, his great grandfather Jim had won it 95 years ago. His grandfather, the legendary Bart, won it nine times. Anthony's won it once, and he's now won it twice. If your name's not Cummings, you're not coming in. It works, doesn't it? If your name, it it's, it's an astonishing story, and the the, the name Cummings is. Is so steeped, steeped in Australian racing, so steeped here. We're only a, a few metres, Nick, from the, the statue of Bart Cummings that sits here, stands here at uh, Flemington, and any Cummings victory here is always well received. And I got a word with the winning rider as well. 
Well, I travel the other side of the world. That's much the same result. James McDonald winning Group 1s. But for you to win the two premier three-year-old races, the Derby and the Oaks, in the same carnival... What does that mean? Yeah, it's awesome. It's um, uh, it's a race I haven't won before. I was um, it was a race probably I wanted a pencil, but like pen, uh, take it off, take yeah. it off, and because they're they're so hard to win. Like you need to be on the right horse on the right day, and they're prestigious events. Um, we we see it up in England with the uh, English Derby and the, and the English Oaks. They're time honoured. Everyone wants to win them, and that's the same here. And it's a it's a race as a racing purist. That's the races you want to win. And a bit like that, but even to a more extreme level. Twenty five hundred. It's uncharted territory for all of these. It's, it's tough, and and don't they know it? That's why they're spread out over a far distance. But she credit to Zadozi. She's written herself into the history books as an Oaks winner and. Um, she's got an unbelievably great pedigree for these sort of classic distances and um, yeah she's got a bright future for what she's doing now, now James Cummings his great grandfather won this race 95 years ago his grandfather Bart won it nine times he's now won it twice Anthony's won it once you described him as a genius after the race which is quite high praise why yeah he's just good he, he um, really thinks about we, we had discussions today um, when you when you come up with a good gate you're, you're, you, you think you can well, race a little bit closer he said no take your medicine use a turn of foot ride it like the best horse and come late exactly what how it's planned out because the pace was strong to the first corner and then it, it really quickened up 800 from home and we were just in the perfect spot the whole way so tactics come down to a huge part of this and um, it was all up to him all right this carnival's not done you got champions day yeah. saturday and some big rides yeah absolutely looking forward to that so um hopefully uh we can keep the ball rolling and see how we go all right cheers james well thank you all right, that was James McDonald, and you could just see what that Derby Oaks double meant to him. He'll be hoping for more luster on Champions Day on Saturday. And before we move away from Australia, Lee, uh, and head back to, to colder waters, closer to home, uh, let's, uh, let's discuss Champions Day and the possibility of West Wind Blows giving uh, the Crisfords what would be quite a, quite a pointed success at the weekend. Yeah, I think it would be a, a hard person who begrudged them uh, a victory in the champion stakes race it's worth mo- over one million pounds to the winner on saturday let's just try and paint a picture here so westwind blows was beaten on his uh second aussie start in the caulfield cup by without a fight who of course used to be trained by simon and ed chrisford owned by Sheikh mohammed abade he ran for them in last year's melbourne cup and finished 13th he subsequently joined the stable of Anthony and Sam Friedman down here. That sometimes happens. Sheikh Mohammed Abade subsequently has removed all his horses from the Christmas. We know he's an owner who sometimes does move horses away from stables. He did that with, with them. But in the, in the Caulfield Cup, they saw West Wind Blows beaten by a horse that they previously trained and sent out here. They then saw that horse win the Melbourne Cup just a few days after Algiers, who was supposed to run for them in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, had to be ruled out of the race. So on the international beat, the last few days have not been particularly kind for the Crisfords, but they've had a fantastic year overall and they could have a great day on Saturday. And as well as that, Nick, there's a really strong card, three group ones. It's a, it's a day this that didn't so much fizzle out at the end of the Melbourne Cup Carnival, but it's a day they've, they've tried to get as they wanted it for a few years. Races have been moved around, but... But Lee Jordan, the head of racing at the VRC, he had this brainchild of really boosting up this final day as a Champions Day, having three wait-for-age Group 1s, the Kennedy Mile, 
that takes place on the card. Used to be the Cantala, a handicap. It's now a Group 1 weight for age race. It's produced a sensational field this year with Mr. Brightside and Alligator Blood, the second and third from the Cox Plate, dropping back in distance, as does Fangirl, who's a bit unlucky in that race. Victoria Rider ran the Cox Plate for Aidan O'Brien, now goes for Mar Eustace. That's a big race. Buckaroo also goes for Joseph O'Brien in the Champion State for Westwind Blows and Lashes winner Zaki. And in the sprint, we have the, the New Zealand sprinter Imperatrice, who was rampant in the Manicato last time and could well be Australia's top, well, the top sprinter in Australian racing. And when you have one of those, you have someone from Ascot knocking on their door saying, why not come to Ascot next year? Nick Smith from Ascot is over in Australia in the moment and I'd be amazed if he's not doing a bit of schmoozing on Saturday. Never knowingly under schmoozed as we head now right back home. All right, well, top of the list, really, of exciting young horses you want to see this season has got to be uh, Mary Nacional, the Supreme Novices Hurdle winner. He he wasn't just good at Cheltenham, he was brilliant. He flew up the hill, and it's chasing now for him in what could be a really spicy division. Um, how's he getting on, and what's going to happen? Barry Connell, his trainer, is is with me now. Uh, Barry, how's he how's he done? How, are you pleased with, with, with where he is condition-wise? Yeah, I mean, he's had a different... Um he, he, he's had a proper summer break this year, which he didn't have last year. Um, we, we we had had to campaign him during during the summer and give him a series of little mini breaks um, because he 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 missed most of the traditional season the previous year with the sore weather. Um, so um, he's come in very fresh. Um, he put on a bit of condition, but he's he, he's he's a He's not a gross horse. He's he's an athletic horse, and and um, um, you know he, he he looks great, and and um, kind of mentally he's in he's in a good place. So um, we have schooled him. We schooled him about four weeks, three four weeks ago, and uh, very happy with the way that went. Um, you know, we would have been surprised if it had been otherwise, because he he had been extensively school, schooled by Sam Curling before we got him, and. The way he jumps a hurl, you know, he 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 always looked like a horse that would be very effective over a fence, and um, you know, I think that 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 will be um, that won't be an issue for him. I think he he should be at least as effective over over fences as he was over hurls. Um, so we're planning to run him in Navan in a two-mile beginners chase uh, on the 18th, which is. Um, the weekend after next at the at the um, Troy Town meeting on the Saturday, it's traditionally where the, the, all the good two two milers go. It'll give them five weeks then to um, the Grade One at Leopardstown at Christmas. Uh, he's one more piece of work to do this Saturday, and that that should be him then. And you know his work his work has been pleasing us. Um, so um, yeah, uh, mm. all things seem to be um, on target for for his first race there at Navan. Uh, excellent, and and it could be, as I said, a, a very spicy division with in the pocket potentially maybe targeting that, and who knows, Fasal Vega in there as well. It's it's not impossible. You meet a few of these horses en route to some of the bigger stuff in in the spring, but knowing you, I'm probably thinking that doesn't bother you too much. No, I mean I, like. <laughs> I mean, in, in in Ireland, we 
you know, we don't have the novice races that you have in the UK. You have a, you have a maiden, you have a maiden hurl or a beginner's chase, and then you're straight into a graded race. So you you don't really have the option of winners of one and so forth. So um, you're almost forced into um, you know taking on graded company. Um, I think there's a couple of grade twos in 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 Punchestown, uh, the Florida Pearl. Um, there's one there's one over two miles, one over two and a half miles. Um, but uh, our intention is 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 and has been to give them one run in the beginners and then go straight for grade one. Like last year, we went straight from the maiden hurl into grade one, um, the Royal Bond. Um, I, I don't think that's an issue. Um, and we've beaten all of the other horses last year uh, that are likely to turn up in in the um, in in the Arkle. We've beaten Fasal Vega. Um, so unless he proves significantly more effective as a chaser than a, than than a hurler, I don't see any reason why we won't beat him again. Um, you mentioned in the pocket, uh, he, we've beaten him already. Um, you know, if you go down to the anti-post list there, I think third or fourth in the list is Mr. Policeman, won a, won a race in Cork. Michael M- Michael actually rode him. So you're, you're into the, you know, left field, um, could be anything. Um, I think, I think Willie is running fact to file in, in, um, he's going straight from, bumpers into chases, chasing like he did with Florida Peril, but I think the indication he's going over longer trips. So, look, it, 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 it's um, it's a bit more defined the, the what you're likely to meet in, in opposition in, in, in the novice chase division, yeah. un, unlike the novice hurl division where, you know, they can come from anywhere. <laughs> they can come from point to point, France, you name it. It's, it's, it's really a, a blank canvas, whereas you kind of know what your opposition is going to be. And, um, and it's a question of keeping, you know, your, your, your horse. If, if, we, if we kind of reached a certain rating over hurls, um, you would be hoping to at least maintain that or, 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 or improve over fences. Um, the, 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 big, the big issue... Um, um, going back to uh, um, Mark Prescott did a, a nice interview in the Racing Post there a little while ago, and he said to you know to be a real top class horse, you need you need ability, you, you need temperament, and you need soundness. Um, you know, and I think we we tick the box with all three. We were lucky last season, Touchwood, that the horse stayed sound for the whole season. His temperament is 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 a massive massive plus. Like he walked around. Uh, the pre-parade ring in Cheltenham like he was at home and again that's going to be a massive plus for him um, and his ability is, is is obviously you know there for everyone to see so um, we're, we're, we're confident um, I'm, I'm not going to go shouting and roaring <laughs> about, about the horse like I did last year mm. because um, you know he, he he was a little bit of an unknown quantity and kind of we, we we were just happy with what we were seeing at home but I think you know everyone knows what he is now so like let let the horse speak for himself um, but in terms of his preparation 
um, were happy, and in terms of his ability to to um, jump fences, were happy. Um, well, I'm very happy to have spoken to you about him today, um, Barry. Much appreciated, and I wish you all the best for another another successful season. Thanks, Nick. All right, well, so excited to see some of last season's stars coming back out. And another one out even sooner, i.e. Friday this week, uh, is uh, Editor Dushit, who went from a, a very high-class horse to a top-class two-miler last season and runs in those familiar red colours of the Preston family. Steve Preston is with me now. I'm, apologies with the time difference for disturbing your evening, Steve, but thank you for taking the call. Is there a decent level of excitement about the return of Editor? Absolutely, Nick. We think he's um, hopefully going to be as good as he was last year, if not better. And um, this is an ideal opportunity for him to start um, if and hopefully the ground is um, good enough for him to run on. Um, and what sort of indicators are you getting from, from Gary about sort of how his season might, might look, what sort of programme he might have? Well, hopefully he can be... Um, one of the top two mile chasers again and compete at all the grade one events that he tried to do and did do very well last year um but obviously we need to look at el fabiola coming through and a lot of other good good chasers coming through so it has to be taken a step at a time um but as we speak he will follow the, the normal two mile um top grade chases and try to get to the Queen Mother at the end and win it. Uh, I know you're someone who's always been, you know, a, an optimist, but to what extent was last season a, a bit of a surprise to you? Or not at all, maybe? No, I'm only slightly, yes, I, I guess it was a surprise. The surprise was when he won at Kempton and the Desert Orchid wasn't expected and left horses like Nuba Negra behind him and, and you know the ground was was in our favor that day and you know normally we would have said not going going left-handed wouldn't have support wouldn't have been good for us but he excelled himself and then he went on from there as you know to to do the rerunning of the current Clarence house which we supplemented him for and he excelled incredibly then you know it, it was tough for him to continue on and do the queen mother and then the celebration but i think and we think that he's as good as he was last year and possibly because he's very very he hasn't got a lot of mileage on the clock and he's a very big horse and he could be at his best this year so at this moment we're very very optimistic well, I'm keeping my fingers firmly crossed for you. Um, I mean, I can't let you go with, without asking a, a little bit about about Sider Gruji because we we lost we lost him in the summer and we didn't speak at the at the time. Um, uh, just what a horse he he was and how how much he gave everybody both during and after uh, after his career. I know. Um, yeah, I can completely concur. As you, as you, as, well, as I say, you know for sure, but most people know by now the story is incredible. We got him as our first ever horse and he performed to the level that he did, but it was far, far, far more than that. He became, you know, Jamie's best friend and literally was Jamie Moore, sorry, Jamie Moore's best friend and literally became a household pet and the gentlest and most beautiful horse 
after he retired and the toughest and best horse while he was competing. And we may have had our luck from here to, from here and there whilst during his career with we zigzagged around Sprinter Sacra a couple of times, but nothing could be taken away from his record and he did fantastically well. And like I say, he went on to to be a, a, literally a pet. And I, I remember Jamie saying to me when he passed away that, you know, that horse whinnied for him every single night and Jamie went out and said goodnight to him. And then until he did, the horse wouldn't settle. And that's how close the bond was between him and the Moors, you know, from the moment they took him on to the moment that, you know, he had to pass away um, due to the fact that he decided that he needed to move on. So I, I can't say any more about that than Sire. What a wonderful horse he was. What a wonderful horse Editor Dajit is. I wish you all the very best for, for Friday this week, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. I'll let you uh, go back and enjoy your evening. You're, you're, you're more than welcome. Thank you, Nick. Good night. Well, the name Culworth Grounds has been synonymous with success around the sales grounds now for a number of years. But the outfit is branching out into stallion ownership uh, in the shape of El Caballo, uh, a pattern race winning son of Havana Gold. And to tell me a little bit more, I spoke to Culworth Grounds' Sophie Buckley. Well, it's always been part of the plan, um, but it's sort of about hopefully finding the right thing. And um, I don't think it's a crazy idea. I think there's room in the UK market uh, for a stallion like him at the moment. Um, so he's got an excellent pedigree and he's a nice horse. And so I thought this this was the one. So uh, tell me a little bit about how, how you go about sourcing the horse and wh- why you've got him. El Caballo is his name and he, he's by Havana Gold. Just tell me a little bit about how, you, how, the, how the whole process came together. Um, well, I got a phone call asking, would I be interested uh, in standing a stallion? And I said, yes, that is definitely something on the agenda. So then I went up to see him and liked him and thought it was good on paper. So sort of put together a deal with a few other people and uh, the boardman brought him back. Uh, so what on paper is most appealing about him? I think really he is, he's got a great pedigree, it's sort of speed on speed, um, he's by Havana Gold, who's obviously the sire of the super sire Havana Grey at the moment, so he's the only other son of Havana Gold standing at the moment. Um, he's out of a great dam called Showstopper, who's bred five runners, five winners, four of them rated over 90, three of them black type, so it's just really solid all the way through. And, you know, he was a very good racehorse, won the Group 2 Sandy Lane Stakes. He won six races in a row, raced at two, three and four. So there's just lots of really solid, good things about him that I think will appeal to breeders and to get their mares off the mark. And people have have tried to work out why Havana Gray has been such a hit at at stud, uh, particularly at the time, having a relatively unconventional pedigree. Now, everybody, as as you've proven, wants a a son of Havana Gold to stand at stud. Why do you think he's made such a big impact? I think Havana Gray, you know, he's he's bred a really good individual. Um, You know, I remember seeing them as foals and actually sort of, when I was asked, pointed him out as I thought he could be a good sire. You know, they've got a leg in each corner. They looked, they just looked like athletes. So I think that's always a really big start. But apparently, you know, their brains are very good. 
and he you know they run through brick walls and they're easy to train so i think i i think that's a big reason of his success i mean i'm all i've always been a big fan of havana gold myself they're really good and easy to work with and he was a really good solid sire himself um i used him every year as a breeder so you know that's that was sort of another reason that he was appealing um, and you know, Whitsbury are very good at breeding racehorses mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and indeed, they bred this horse, El Caballo, as well. Um, so you, you sold them. You've sold them to me on on pedigree and and on physique. What do you know how to do to make this a, a viable concern? How how does he become a, a a profitable entity? Well, I think you know, it it will be the breeders who really have to decide whether he is going to be a success you know at the end of this day we will uh, offer a great service and we will support the stallion with mares all the way through and we will also support some of his progeny Uh, but at the end of the day a stallion has to do it themselves you know if he produces nice progeny and they run fast then that is what makes a stallion a, a real success you know you could say Havana Gray you know he was very well was well supported by Whitsbury and they looked after him and they got him plenty of mares. But at the end of the day, the stallion has to do their own business. You know, they, they have to make it, mm. they have to make, they have the successful progeny for it to be a success. So, you know, that is, you know, people say to me, oh, well, lightning won't strike, strike twice. And I said, well, it's struck at Whitsbury, so maybe it will struck, strike at Coworth Grounds instead. Yeah, exactly. And, and just from a from a logistical point of view, how much does everyone at Colworth have to, to change and, and do things a little bit differently? And, and how much will the mayor policy change because of uh, having your own stallion? Um, well, I'm very lucky that um, I've got an excellent stallion man, um, Jason, who runs uh, the place. That is what he is by trade. So in terms of expertise, we have a, an absolute expert on board. So that that really is is the key, and you know we we have plenty of facilities, you know, covering for covering and things like that. So I I think that will be that I don't see that as any issue. Okay, well I'm looking forward to it. an exciting new venture. Is it is it is it quite exciting for the whole team? Yeah, I'm really excited. You know, sometimes you wonder will these things ever happen, and. Um, and you know, if somebody said, you know, this was going to be the year it would have happened, I'd have thought, oh, maybe, maybe not yet. But you know, it's all about the opportunity comes across the door, and if you feel it's the right one, you know, you've got to sometimes just go for it. And so I'm, I'm really excited. I think people like him. I think there's, you know, on paper he's good. Hopefully, it will be a great success. All right, thanks to Sophie, to all my guests today. Here at a very noisy Flemington, Lee Mottasett is still with me. And uh, Lee, we, more just to reflect on the news that broke today that uh, the Breeders' Cup will be at Del Mar for the next two years, uh, 2024 and 2025. So get yourself a ticket now. Yeah, Nick, I'm sure you can provide more commentary on this one than I can with your, with your American racing insight. I've got to say from an outsider's perspective, it's slightly disappointing. Um, I think that the, the beauty of the Breeders' Cup in the past has been when you move around different venues. And for me, if you was a racing fan, you were going to base yourself at one venue, it would be Santronita. Nothing wrong with Del Mar. It's maybe like a boutique version of Santronita. Um, it's a fantastic race course. I've enjoyed racing there in the past. But I'm sure some people will think, is it an ideal outcome? I think you can quite easily see why, why this has happened. I, 
I think Del Mar's been very uh, economically successful as a Breeders' Cup venue. Uh, it doesn't hold quite as many people, um, but it holds them very comfortably. And as you say, it's quite a, it's quite a boutique event. It's obviously climatically extremely uh, advantageous. It's not too hot, but it's very pleasant weather at that time of the year. Why is it there for two consecutive years? Well, if you, if you looked at the options for the, the year after, uh, Keeneland is undergoing quite a bit of construction. I think Churchill Downs and Breeders' Cup, the pendulum always swings as, as regards who thinks the event is worth how much. And obviously they have to rent the whole venue. Um, Santa Anita's had it this year. And again, you know, it's harder to fill and it's probably more expensive to rent. And uh, obviously there's a call to go back east to go to New York, but Belmont's realistically not going to be ready to hold it till 2026. So you feel like that Del Mar, yes, but the one more year is just kind of marking the bridge until it ends up back in New York. So you'd be long odds on Belmar 26, would you? Wouldn't be long odds on, but no, I wouldn't be long odds on. Favourite? Uh, yeah, yeah, a fav. Okay, so if we want to get back to Santa Anita 2027 at the earliest? I'd say so. I would say so, but you just never know. You know I've got to say, it would take a lot to pull me from here. I mean, you've experienced both. There aren't many people who've experienced both uh, in this year. Frank is one, you're another one. It's pretty special, isn't it? Oh, it's been an amazing double. <laughs> you go Santa Anita to Flemington. I know, don't. I know how lucky I am. Uh, I'll feel even lucky if you can give me a winner for the weekend. Yeah, you're missing the Holden Gold Cup, Nick, so not, not everything is Tough, perfect. But we have featured that on the podcast. You have indeed. Sterling work. Uh, for my tip, forgive me again, listeners, if I stay here at Flemington. I'm going to go in the Champion Stakes on Saturday. Of course, I'd love to see Westwind Blows wins. I just wonder, though, if these days he's a better horse over a mile and a half than a mile and a quarter. He's got a draw towards the fence. He doesn't necessarily break that quickly, and if he doesn't break well or he doesn't get into gear early, he could find himself into a tactical uh, problem. Zaki, oh, formerly of Zarky. our parish. Love yeah. Zaki. And Zaki loves Flemington. He didn't win a bad race in the Cox Plate. Westwind blows, inflates Zaki's price, and I think he could win this champion stakes the third year running. So the tip from me at a beautiful, sunny, early evening Flemington, Izaki on Saturday in the Championships. Evening from the gods here. I will be back again tomorrow. Lee, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.